Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number five. We are now at the halfway point of movies, games and electric trains. This episode is a bit longer than normal as today I speak to my good friend John Tomlinson. John and I have been really good friends for the last 15 years or so. We speak about his love of films, his makeshift wrestling ring and later on in the episode we talk about his work helping refugees and asylum seekers through his theatre company. I hope you all enjoy. see your face <laughs> how are you yeah i'm all good i'm all good it's nice to see you <laughs> I, knew, I knew i knew i was wearing a spurs shirt until about two minutes ago thrown it in the street yeah right is someone else can have it <laughs> fair play yeah thanks for thanks for doing this for me pleasure I, as you've uh, as we've discussed, you've you've listened to uh, an, an episode or two. All all I decided to do, I just uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do, and I thought, well, whilst we're in lockdown, I might as well just give it an attempt. Like I, I don't expect loads of people to listen, but we'll we'll see what's going on. Hey, hey, nothing else to do tonight except watch Line of Duty, mate. So I'm I'm good. I'm good. I t- I tried to get into it, but I just I just didn't enjoy it. Um, I watched the first season. It. Do you know with uh, with Morgan from Walking Dead? Yeah. Um, and I watched that one, and then I try. I, I see all the hype about it, and I'm just like, shall I give it another go? And I must admit, I, I tried season two. I got about five minutes in, and I was like, I was on my phone and stuff. And I'm like, if I if I'm on my yeah. phone when a series <laughs> is on, it's just like there's no yeah. point. I, I need to be into it. So, but uh, I'm, I might attempt it again. I, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I think it's a it's, it's such a long game that now the kind of the the results that are happening now, you're like, oh, actually, I'm glad I did watch season one. But when I was watching season one, I was like, mm, not yeah. sure about this. But it, it feels like it's got better and better. Right. Um, but it's got a bit. It's got a bit complicated. Right. So, but but hey, you got when you're in it, you're in it, aren't you? have got to stick with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that yeah. sets us up nicely for the uh, for the first topic that I'd like to speak to you about. Uh, so the first topic is movies and stuff. And yeah. I know you're you're big into to acting and productions and stuff like that, which we'll we'll go over a bit later on. But to start with, what was your influence growing up regarding films and stuff? Yeah, influence. I mean, everyone takes their their influences, I guess, from their from their peers and from their family. And then, particularly for me, I think when I was in uh, secondary school and and kind of was interested in drama and drama, obviously, kind of crosses into lots of different industries. I think that. Yeah, the influences particularly that I remember were kind of related to to musicals and to, to theatre that I was interested in. So all the kind of gangster America films that I remember watching as a sort of uh, young chap and getting into Bugsy Malone <laughs> and all of that kind of era. They were the kind of the main ones, I feel, that I was really kind of particular. Oh, actually, yeah, I can, can really get into this and kind of, I guess, studying films in a, in a, in a different way and all the mechanics about it. Yeah, they, they were my kind of earliest memories, I think, of of, of things. But I, I guess I do remember going to watch uh, the brilliant Matilda uh, on my like, 13, 13th, 13, not, not, you know, not ashamed to say that. It's an absolutely incredible film. Um, remember watching that in the cinema for my 13th birthday. But yeah, I guess what one thing, one point of reference for, for, for us guys who grew up in Gaul was that we... We didn't have a cinema that was kind of part of our town makeup, which is yeah, actually yeah. something, therefore, that you're like, well, can I going to have to wait for something to, well, A, someone to drive me to Doncaster or Castleford, or 
Um, I'm going to have to just wait for it to be on telly, I think. Sure. Um, so, yeah, maybe Christmas films was the sort of the earliest things that I can remember. Um, yeah. All, all, all the classics, yeah, being kind of snuggled up and watching all that. So, yeah, would watch them year on year. Because I remember we first started hanging around together. I, I think I was first year of Sixth Farm, you were second year of Sixth Farm. And I remember coming over to your house and the collection of DVDs that you had was Leon, Goodfellas, <laughs> yeah. um, Scarface, yeah. all them sort of like gritty mm-hmm. films and stuff. What what was it about them films that, you know, enticed you to watch them? Was it just that kind of genre or was it the actors in them films or? Yeah, I think it was probably, it was probably a combination of both. I think um, some really incredible cinema that was created and, and then really brilliant characters obviously and snatch as well particularly as a sure. as an incredible film which which lots of people love and that sort of that style of of, of work i've always been really fascinated by it's you know, it's not something I, you know, gladly have had any experience of in, in my own life and, you know, very, <laughs> very, very far from it. But I guess sort of, yeah, seeing that sort of other world, ultimately, a very different world that you're not familiar with being presented on screen and sort of just having a um, an interest in, yeah, in particular actors and in how you you make a film like that. But I definitely count um, Jen Patterson, who was uh, our drama and media teacher at school in sixth form as a a real key influence in terms of all the different brilliant uh, pieces of drama that she she, she put upon me. So sure. I, I definitely definitely was led led through that. But yeah, I feel that maybe as I've sort of developed in sort of taste and got a bit older, that sort of more interested in sort of yeah, kind of British films, British kind of indie films from from then on. I guess yeah, um, that, that's my sort of bag now. I would say yeah. Did you did you study drama at university or was it English? I, I couldn't remember which one. It was. Yeah, so I, I did um, sort of sixth form and then at uni I did drama and media. So yeah, theater right. and media, media and performance it was at uh, Salford I did at uni. What was know. it about doing drama at a high level that you, that enticed you to do it? Because for me, like I did music at university and again, it's performing arts and I, I just wanted to get better. I had no inkling or I had no desire to, to go to university to because I wanted to be like, a professional, like a professional drummer or a professional musician. Um, it was just more, it was something that I enjoyed and wanted to do on a regular basis. What was it for you? Was it, was your intention to be, become a successful actor or was it just to learn more about bits behind the scene and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for me, it kind of comes from that that word passion and, and that kind of encouragement that luckily friends and family and uh, yeah drama teacher particularly kind of gave me that enthusiasm for something that I just absolutely fell in love with theatre and musicals and and, and and drama more kind of widely so I, I just kind of felt that going to university to do something that I was good at and had a passion in I, I just kind of felt that that was the best best route for me and I knew that you know it's an industry that not many people get the opportunity to they don't get the break or they don't get the, the, the right opportunity at the right time and then they do something else but I always kind of felt that I had to go and do it and experience it and, uh, and and learn a bit more about it because yeah I just I, I just had a hopefully an instinct towards being good at understanding what audiences want and what what making theatre and what making kind of art is mm. so yeah just kind of use that as a, as a starting point really to say hey you know if if I've got an opportunity to go to live in Manchester for three years and um, have the have the time of my life and, and do <laughs> do drama and media and learn that then great what a, what a gift. Um, yeah. So that that was kind of it. But I, I was always, I think when I was at 
at school and uh, sixth form, I think I maybe felt that acting was the, the place I wanted to be in to be kind of front and centre on stage. Yeah. And actually, the more I understood what the whole industry looked like and what skills you needed in different roles, actually, I was sort of always always kind of really made to kind of be a producer because I was, I was actually more enthused and I think better at bringing people together trying to put a creative team to make something happen and to sort of understand the the mechanics behind the scenes rather than being that kind of starry um starry per person out front also yeah. i can't sing or dance you know i can't <laughs> sing or dance so what, you know all, all i've got is a little bit of um you know a, a bit of charm maybe and that was kind of it that's not going to get you um that's not going to get you enough you know and also damien lewis got all the gigs that i probably wanted so <laughs> i think i was like oh this this guy's already got this sorted. I better sort of try and figure out what else you can do in this industry. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it was exactly that. Just just, just passion and um, trying to make really brilliant pieces of theatre um, or, or drama happen wherever, whenever. Because for me, like when I left university, my passion for music stayed in Chester. Do you know, it, it, I think it can go two ways when you're studying something that you like or a hobby or something. And for me, it went the way of like, you know, I, I don't make music anymore. I don't really play anymore. I think the last time we played, I, I've mentioned, was at our wedding. Uh, you know, we did a couple of songs there. But for me, yeah. I think just doing it every single day, it just, it took the love for for music for me. But obviously, you've gone the other way. You know, you've done, you know, drama, production, media, from sixth form, well, from, from since I've known you, then on to university and now on to, you know, your life now. What is it that's kept you, you know, motivated to do all that? Wow, it's a it's a big question. I think that there's loads. There's there's loads. We delve of deep like, on this podcast, John. yeah. We're going we're, we're going in. We're going deep on it. Um, I just kind of looked to the the sunset there for the answer, and it, it 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 didn't it didn't come back to me. But I think that um, you're right. There's there's loads of kind of moments where you you see like a fork in the road, and you're like, oh. I, it doesn't quite feel right going down that track or it doesn't quite entice me in the way that it, it, it once did. So I feel, I feel like I did get a couple of negative things and then a couple of positives that came from it and, you know, had to, had to really understand what, what I could and what I couldn't do in, in the industry straight from university, because I, I kind of felt like even though I did, did really well and, and, and enjoyed it, there wasn't that kind of natural, okay, well, once you get a first and then this is what, this is the job. Cause it's not like that. And in the creative world and industries, it's, it's such a portfolio career often, or you get, you get one really big gig. And then the next thing you're working at Barclays in a call center and working at Barclays in a call center for me is also, I'm very happy to do that. So I'm actually quite, I'm quite okay with the kind of, the kind of ups and downs. And, and it was definitely like that for, and, and, and still kind of is for, for, for many, many people, but for me, particularly for a long, long time, years and years of doing some things that might be perceived as really kind of quite successful and having really real brilliant moments but then having another job to kind of ensure that you can still stay in, stay in it, really. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely feel like just out of that longevity of in drama, particularly in media, maybe in kind of creative areas that at school, there might be sort of a collection of like maybe 10 or 15 people who are, who are really bang into it, who are really good and then engaged. A couple of them might go do an apprenticeship in something else or a couple might go into the army or a couple might do something very different. Sure. So you kind of then it, it becomes a smaller pool of people from your town or from your group. And then you go to university and everyone was the sort of the leading person at their school. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well now I've got to be, I've got to be the best in this group as well to sort of succeed. And I've got to stay in it there. And I think 
that kind of constant kind of pushing from other people in, in a really good way for me that helped to sort of go okay well I know what good looks like I know what I've got to do to get to the next level of my kind of you know ladder every little baby step is going to help and some people decide for for lots of good practical reasons and decide actually the, the time's not right and they want to go and do something else and there were loads of times where that could have been been me as well loads and loads of times where I thought actually maybe maybe I want to be a sports commentator maybe I want to be this maybe I want to just you know go and have a crack at being a footballer again that was never on the card you had a wicked left but, foot <laughs> don't put yourself down in that you. sort of sense thank you thank you when I heard Scott Kay on the, on the on the pod I was like oh yeah there were some some great moments where uh, where we felt that combination in midfield would really work at a top level but, you know being um, being honest with ourselves I'm not I'm not too sure that that would have been a career for us but yeah a, a bit of longevity and a couple of breaks that go your way and kind of real like grit and determination and desire to go okay well yeah if I have to do this to kind of get get the next step then am am I willing to can I make that happen and and the answer for me was always yes I'm still willing committed able still think that I can can kind of give this this sort of industry and this this a crack so yeah yeah a little bit a little bit of grit I think kind of got, got, got me into it I would say because I, I knew when I was at university, like what it took to become a great musician, like it took practice every night, you know, instead of doing that three hour practice session, stay that extra hour, you know, be the best that you can. And it was the same when, when we left university, it was like, if I want to pursue a career in music, I have to sacrifice everything else. You know, I can't, I can't have a part-time job and also do music. Some people might do that and get lucky, but the majority of stories that you hear from successful musicians are like when, when I was 13 and I could play guitar, I was out, you know, busking or I was out performing and I didn't ever think of another career. Whereas for me, I've always liked to earn money. And I, I couldn't make that sacrifice because it is it is a gamble. Like the the amount of people that can play instruments, uh, and it's same for you with the amount of people that can probably act or in in some capacity in that sort of industry. It's very slim that you're going to you know get to the top. And for me, I just made the decision that I do think it was a sensible decision of I'm going to pursue a different career and go in the way that I have gone. And yeah. I, f- I feel like I have been successful in the career that I have chosen, but I do think sometimes what would it have been like if I'd have committed all my time to, you know, to music and to making it yeah. either as a session musician or, you know, forming a band or playing in a band or whatever. Do you, do you still have, still have that desire to maybe pursue acting more and, and try to get them roles? Or are you happy with, you know, what you, what you're doing now? You know, if there's a cameo somewhere along the lines, then I'm always going to be the first in line to go, hey, you know, I know the, I know the main actor's not available tonight because they've got to be somewhere else. Look, I'm, I'm in the office. I'm doing my things behind the scenes. I've, I've learned their main monologue. I, I don't fit the <laughs> character at all, but I'm very willing. Um, th- th- there's always kind of that in, um, up my sleeve and that will always be there, I think. But And... I think, you know, you kind of use your um, sort of creativity slightly differently and, and, and rather than being yeah in, in that position on stage, I've I've definitely felt at home and more comfortable in in sort of being the person to enable and change the conditions around creativity being made. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm so, so lucky with the, the sort of 
career and the, the places that I've been able to work and uh, and the job that I do, I, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, I'm very, very lucky when I say that. And I know it's not the same for everyone, but yeah, I get to work with amazing actors and amazing creative teams. And um, I absolutely love the challenge of putting all of that together, making it work, um, dreaming big with with the people that, that make it happen. And then, yeah, and enjoy the audience kind of coming in and seeing it and, you know, loving it as much as the way that I loved theatre for the first time and the hundredth time that I saw it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel much more at home kind of behind the scenes and and, and doing some of the uh, logistics and, and, and helping to make the magic happen. Sure. Well, uh, we, we'll delve a bit more into like, you know, the theatre side and, you know, what you yeah, guys yeah, do sure. um, later on. What, what are your favourite films? Are you a cinema goer? Do you like... I'm asking about three different questions here. Sorry. Yeah. We'll, start with, we'll start with what What are your favourite films? Favourite films? I think I kind of keep coming back to Four Lions. I think is that just oh, absolute yeah, yeah. gold. And then in a very different sort of category, I absolutely love I, Daniel Blake and sort of projects and dramas that are absolutely about a particular campaign and saying something so on the nose and political. So I, I think those two are, are definitely up there. But hey, you know, we've, we've touched on it. I'm, I love The Greatest Showman as well because, you know, that's, that's the sort of... That's the world that I that I love as well and 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 yeah those impromptu musical moments are just absolute goal for me and um yeah I, I can't help but love stuff like um The Greatest Showman and A Star Is Born etc that kind of musical thread. Les Mis is an absolute classic as well but I don't want to reel off all just musicals but I think <laughs> um, yeah I do you know I do really 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 still love love film and I think I feel like I'm much more likely now to even though I really enjoy the experience of going to the cinema, I think because of the job that I do, I'm so the experiences that I kind of go to in those darkened spaces, I'm always going to be led to theatre instead of cinema yeah. um, for me. But I do, you know, I do love watching films at home. So I'm, yeah, I'm probably more a film at home on Sky or Netflix or whatever than, yeah. than at the cinema. With, with me, like when I when I see a gig, well, not as much anymore, but I used to be like proper snobby about it. You know, I'd be like, hmm, they, they made a mistake there or they didn't do this. Are you that sort of yeah. person when it comes to acting? Like if you're watching a film, would you do you think like I just shot that differently or do you not know, I'd have acted differently or things like that? Or are you just do you just watch the film and enjoy it? I think with film, I can sit back and enjoy it. Uh, because I, I certainly know that my skill wouldn't take me into working in any of those projects. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I enjoy, therefore, still understanding that, that I, I don't know how it all works. And I, and I love that. So I can I can enjoy film in a, in a different way, I think. But I think I can definitely step back and just enjoy it, a, a film in a different way. Um, yeah. which I, I feel I feel grateful for because it's a yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing when you can just have a, a couple of hours to just take yourself away from whatever's going on in your world you're still sat in your living room having a cup of tea and a Kit Kat but hey you're like <laughs> wow I just like I feel transformed I feel like I you know how did I never know that stuff how did I you know how, how am I gonna kind of rethink what I'm gonna do tomorrow based on that and yeah all those kind of things the, the, the films that you've mentioned, you know, that you either enjoy now or enjoyed when you were younger, they're very specific to particular uh, genres. Are you open to like other films? Would you watch a, a rom-com with your other half or would you watch like comedy films? Are, are you open to all genres or do you just stay away from some because you just don't enjoy yeah, them? I, th- I think I'm definitely open to to, to all of that. And um, yeah, you know, when you're, when you're kind of in a relationship with and you're in lockdown and you're like, well, we, we've got it. We've got to watch a bit of everything, right? now we just sure. gotta throw it all out there so <laughs> i feel like I, I feel like i'm even even more like inclined to just kind of pick not anything but just be like okay i'm 
yeah, I'm going to give that a go. I don't, it, it probably isn't normally my bag, but I'm happy yeah. to kind of give it a, give it a bash. So there's that, the one, the one genre I, I don't tend to touch because I'm, I'm just scared is horror. I just, I, I can't. I think that's I a, a regular into, theme with everyone. Horror. I know, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's something about like where we were brought up or something, but I don't know. But yeah, it creeps me out. It creeps me out big time. How, how come you don't like horror? Was it like a particular film that you saw that freaked you out or is it just the idea of them? Yeah, I think um, it was um, particularly scary. Uh, and, the last kind of one, or the off. the Tim Curry one from the nineties. Yeah, the, the the original one. Watching that, I can't even. Remember. It feels like quite an early memory that of watching that. But again, I might. I don't know when it was exactly, but that didn't work out too well for me. But I I, I kind of went back to it just out of. I don't know, a morbid curiosity now. So I did watch the other one and it had the same effect. Like, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm still not ready for this. I've mentioned, I think it was on the first or uh, one of the other uh, podcasts about Nightmare on Elm Street was the one that freaked me out as a kid. Um, yeah. And then when I was at university, me and my then girlfriend at the time, we bought the box set of the Freddy films. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch them now. Do you know, I'm at university. I'm, I'm mature now. I'm mature enough to, to give it another go. And when yeah. I watched them, it, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as that I remember. Like I don't know mm. if it was my child mind that was just like, yep, yeah, he's gonna come in your sleep and get you and whatever. But the more yeah. the more had like a comedic part of them when I watched them like as an adult rather than you know the absolute worst horror film imaginable that I imagined that it was when it, I was younger. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I, I think yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say kind of yeah, all of that. I mean. The Shining as well. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I watched that. That was awful. That was all. I did, like. I feel like I felt like traumatized watching that. I felt traumatized watching The Ring. I think is the worst one. I think. Oh, The Ring when she comes out on TV. Oh Christ oh. Almighty! <laughs> like even now, I think even just mentioning it, like I like I know I'm not going to sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I need to go for a little run around the block or something. But all 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 of that. And but out of like you know also respect and admiration for the people behind the scenes to make people have that sense of like emotion and fear like to be able to create that is quite something so I, yeah i think maybe maybe there is that sort of like every so often i i, I test myself on a horror film but it's um yeah it's every every once in a while just because i i would never go to that genre as a sort of oh i know what i'm going to do to just sort of help me relax tonight it's it's not that yeah some some <laughs> films like entice me though and i mentioned this with simon sinister was a, a prime example of of that um mm-hmm. i'd seen the previews for sinister yeah i'd heard about it and i was like that sounds a good story rather than just a horror film like some horror films i, I just I, I don't put up with like possessions of, <laughs> of people i'm like i'm not having that nah no, <laughs> that's not no, for me nonsense nonsense when, <laughs> when you get them the zen people who like start walking up the stairs like you know, like a, a crab or something, and I'm like, that, that's what freaks me out. Oh, yeah. so is it contortionist? Contortionist? That, yeah, it, that sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like uh, something I've seen on like Britain's Got a Talent. That sounds yeah, about yeah. Right. yeah. But them sort of stuff like freak me out. Um, and, yeah. and I won't go near them. But yeah, I, I am open to the odd scary film, but like you, I, I stay away from them because I'll, I'll just have yeah. nightmares, even at the prime it's age probably- of 33. <laughs> definitely definitely cool well we'll move on to the next topic which is music Mm. and if we're speaking about music we've got to speak about in my opinion the greatest band ever uh, of green day and you are my green day buddy 
absolutely. <laughs> proud, we, uh, proud to be, proud to be there. <laughs> <laughs> we've been to, um, well, we went to, we went to Manchester. We did mm-hmm. plan on going to Hyde Park, but I think you booked your holiday at the same time, didn't you? Yeah, there was a holiday, and then there was a there was a hospital one as well where I was sadly. Yeah ill and couldn't make it and I asked yeah I remember having tickets and you know the, the, lots of things when you when you're ill that you think about and that was the first thing that was like oh no if I've this is a right pain I can't go to Milton Keynes to watch Green Day now and they're like please don't worry too much about that we need to save your life and uh, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I was like it's not worth saving if I'm not going to be at that gig what's the <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah you and I like growing up we, we were massive Green Day fans and it's continued like until later life you know I, I, I don't see you much but it was always the case of when a Green Day gig popped up, it'd be like, yeah, are we going sort of thing? It's just, let's just, yeah, let's meet there. And that's just like, yeah, think of all, all times. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're brilliant at what they do. Like they're, they're just the, the sort of perfect, perfect entertainment. And they've just released some absolute, absolute classics. Obviously we American Idiot as an album is, it's unbeatable, I think. Was that um, the album that got you into him, or was you one of the fans, you know, that liked him before that? Because I admit that album got me, you know, yeah. 1999, I think it came out, and it was the first time. I, I'd heard, you know, Basket Case and When I Come Around and a couple of others, but not enough to, you know, make me buy albums and stuff like that. But yeah. when when Green Day, uh, Green Day's American Idiot album came out, that's what got me. And I bought all the albums previous and I've bought pretty much every album after. Yeah. Uh, was it that album for you that, that did it for you? It was or? definitely that. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, similar, I guess, you know, had, had, had liked them before that and definitely couldn't say that I knew all their albums or all their previous work before that. But there was definitely a few big tracks that everyone knew of and our sort of friendship circle. Some were bigger fans than, than me. And then that album kind of came along and just, yeah, just changed it. I think... I think kind of reflecting on it now, maybe because it was sort of, it was such a sort of character driven, like the narrative of the whole album is so, so clear with the kind of St. Jimmy and the kind of the, 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 the peaks and troughs of what, what they're going through. Mm. I think it was that that just kind of like, it struck me in a different way. And I think it just kind of hit the, I just, yeah, it kind of just took the, took the nation and well, took the world by storm, didn't it? It just did such, yeah. it kind of blew, it blew them up in a very different way. And then, yeah, having, you know, having the chance to, to, to see them live was just, just incredible because there are bands that I listen to, you know, a, a lot, lot more now and for def- very different reasons. But whenever I hear a Green Day song, like without <laughs> fail, like it will be like a moment of, oh God, I'm, it's taking me right back. Sure. Um, I'm going to turn up, turn up a bit louder. I'm going to pause whoever I'm talking to in the car, and we're just going <laughs> to just, just, just blurt it out. I was going to say when we, yeah. when we saw them and they started playing Jesus of Suburbia, you and I just went absolutely mental. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's great times. I think that's um, that's probably the you know those moments now feel like so so. I mean, they're special. They're really special, but even more so now of not being able to do those things, you kind of just, yeah, remind yourself about how, how great it is to be in a, a massive crowd of people all cheering along with the same thing, whether it's football or music or th- whatever it is, like you just, yeah. it's, even, it's even more special to have that collective feeling. But yeah, Green Day are awesome. And I think, <laughs> yeah, for, forever will will be part of my collections of CDs. And uh, yeah, I'll be the first one on the on the dance floor whenever whenever a song comes on, even if it's an inappropriate time, no doubt. Because <laughs> I think out of everyone I know, I think you're the only person that's seen more gigs than I have. Because I've, I've seen a lot of gigs 
but uh, mm. you've seen a lot of gigs like you've seen, seen way more gigs, than me yeah. what what is it for you uh about gigs is it the the music is it the atmosphere why why do you attend so many gigs i think it's um it's kind of a bit of everything i think um music has that thing that's i think so special and so different is that you can you can listen to it, you know, wherever you can be, you can be working and have the radio on and, and, and a song can completely change how you're thinking. And it can just cheer you up or, sure. or kind of, or kind of, you know, do it, it can change your emotions in a, in a moment. And I love that about it. And then that feeling of kind of going to, to see that, that live artist do their thing is a really amazing, I think, transaction between an audience saying, yeah, we, we love you. We want more of it. And then you getting that kind of extra, extra special thing that they're only going to do for you that night it, you know, yeah, yeah. even if even if they're going around the world with that tour whatever happens that night is just just for you and those people that are in the crowd and and i think maybe i mean maybe it's just my sort of like personality traits that I, I i have like this this kind of feeling of like just wanting to wanting to be there for the the big moments and and when you know i'm, I'm looking i've lived in in kind of uh, cities like like manchester and uh, worked all over the place so kind of knowing that a big or small or whatever artist is, is coming to town and feeling like you you kind of owe it to them to be there because you listen to their music and you respect and buy their work and therefore you're like well yeah I have seen you seven times before but you know <laughs> I, do, I do feel like I should be there because what if what if that night is the night where that thing happens yeah and, yeah and you're like well I've been to every other gig before that, but that doesn't count because the thing that happened that night was more special. Yeah. Um, for example, when Oasis did a, a load of kind of comeback gigs in Manchester and the, you know, the hype was absolutely massive. And, and, and the gig that I went to with, with a load of pals was the one where the sound completely cut out and just wasn't, it just wasn't having it. And Noel kind of came on and said, right, from now on, this is an effing free Oasis gig. Cause he was like, we can't, we can't play. We're going to do our best. We're going to carry on. But, you've got a free ticket. This is free. You're going to get your money back. And everyone's like, get in 70 quid, <laughs> 70 quid cash back. Basically let's spend even more money on booze. Let's get even more. So it sort of became that even more special event, even yeah. though it was like a, it was a mistake or something went wrong. And yeah, that live experience between an artist and a performer and an audience is, 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 is the most special thing we've, we've got as, as people, actually, I think that's, that's why I'm so, I'm so hooked on it, on yeah. adrenaline. I can't get enough. I love being part of something that feels exciting and, and, and different and unique. And I love watching people, performers do their thing. And and you can just see like that is their, that is their moment. That's their, whether it's the pyramid stage or whether it's a really tiny gig at the Lead Mill in Sheffield, it, it doesn't really matter. Like for that night, for that song, for that moment, whatever, they are a kind of godlike figure to you and... All, all the attention in the room needs to be there. So yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, that kind of collective experience. I, I've I've performed for a few gigs, and obviously, I said that the most recent being the wedding. The thing with with me is I get so nervous before I perform, like mm. to a point where I'm almost like I don't want to do it anymore. Mm. My nerves before any gig, it can be in front of like playing guitar in front of my nan to playing in a, a venue, you know, in front of a thousand people. I don't think I've played in front of a thousand people, but it, it, it doesn't matter the scale of what I'm doing. I get them nerves. But when I start playing, I, I love it. And I, I just, it, it's just a different experience. 
And the wedding, for example, I was sh- I knew what time we were going to be on. We were going to be on about eight o'clock. And we was only playing three songs. You know, it was just something mm. we was all there. Let's just play a couple of songs. Let's get, you know, everyone all riled up before the, the main performers get on. So we played like Chelsea Dagger. We played Sex on Fire. And we played a Led Zeppelin song. I don't know what that one was. But um, as I say, it's just three songs. I, I know how to play them. You know, they're not the hardest songs in the world. But in my head, I'm like, I'm going to drop a stick. I'm going to break a leg. <laughs> not in a good way. I, I'm just going to fail everyone in my family is going to be like, you're so worthless. <laughs> and, and just, and just things like that, but it went really well. And, you know, afterwards everyone was like, are you going to, are you going to jump on and do any more? And was like, no, <laughs> I've no, been I'm like done. wanting to get that over for like all day. That's ruined my wedding. Just this, <laughs> just um, the hype for this, um, these three songs. But I get what you mean to you know it, to watch, to watch someone perform their stuff and to show what they can do. You know, it is a it is a great feeling. Definitely is. Definitely is. What's been the best gig that you've been to? Best gig? Wow. Um, I think I mean Glastonbury is obviously Glastonbury is a special special thing um, for for everyone. I think who's who's been. I, I loved I loved that. And even though even though I think not in my um, genre because I'm you know kind of into sort of indie and kind of alternative and uh, stuff. But I, I remember seeing Jay-Z at Glastonbury when he did his sort of, you know, kind of coming on almost as one of the Gallagher's saying, I sh- sort of shouldn't be here. And he, he played Wonderwall. And then, you know, just the, the whole place just kind of just, just, just changed. And was like, absolutely like, you, yeah, you've, you've taken, you just understood the context about what's going on in the world. And then you're here to do your thing and, and, and do it in front of however many thousands of people. So that was pretty pretty cool and then I've, I've, I've been lucky to, to to go um to kind of build holidays actually around going to to, to gigs as well um, yeah. you know kind of any, any excuse really to, to to get away for a couple of nights and um see someone out there um so i've seen arctic monkeys a few times abroad which has been pretty pretty sweet and dark aid fire who are amazing i think um when i i saw um the national in uh in belgium yeah that was a pretty amazing feeling because we were we were right up close to the singer you know kind of that moment where you get an opportunity where you, you're singing down the microphone with the, <laughs> the with, yeah. with, with, with Matt Berninger and you know you've you, you, obviously you're half cut and you're just having the time of your life and you're singing Mr. November I won't have this but I'm like you just <laughs> just go in it um and you made it's the kind of the, at the back like looking at you on the big screen like what are you what are you <laughs> doing like um yeah those kind of those 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 moments are, are special but they're, they're so individual to wherever you were at that time that can be the best gig in the world even if there was you know three people in the audience that's the beauty of it it doesn't need to be Glastonbury it can, it can be in your local club because you've just discovered something just completely amazing um, yeah I m- remember seeing um Laura Marling and um Mumford and Sons play um in a, in a little sort of bar in um in Belfast and there was quite literally like you know 50 people in there 50 or 60 people and you're like oh wow like that yeah, these are quite good, aren't they? Yeah, this they, they could. Yeah, I'll kind of keep an eye out for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Next thing you know, two years later, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, I was right. Yeah, they are quite good, and yeah, they they're gonna they're gonna make a few quid and then become <laughs> politically a little bit tricky. But yeah, hey, you I've know, seen that. You know, is it one of the members has recently liked a book on? Yeah, something that you shouldn't really be liking a book on. Yeah, it's a, it's a real shame because because yeah, yeah. Eight, eight years ago when I was watching them in Belfast, they were really good. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I saw that on Twitter recently. You briefly mentioned about like the 
sort of genre that you like and you know indie stuff like that and indie reminds me of you to be fair i i think of bands such as like block party maximo park raise light the kooks things like that when i when i think of them bands it reminds me of you because mm. we used to listen to them a lot when we were younger and i think you started that off what was because obviously the indie i don't want to say indie started in <laughs> like the the early 2000s cause it didn't but it did take off pretty big in in that time did you like a different genre before that and then suddenly hear all these indie bands and be like nope this is this is my this is my taste this is what i want to listen to now or yeah what was it for you yeah i think i think it's um i've you know i'm I'm very happy to to share that i you know i love a good pop song as well there's no doubt about that absolutely no doubt and there's no (laughs) everyone's got that secret pop song there's no shat there's no no shame in that i think um Probably, you know, influence from parents and kind of close, close peers and family was, yeah, kind of, kind of the Eagles and uh, Michael Mechanics Fleetwood Mac was kind of by massive influences from my parents of the, you know, the, the albums that you have to listen to with your mum and dad on the way to somewhere when you go in, you go in a way to, to Scotland and you've got, you know, three albums in the car and that's, yeah, that's yeah. all you've got. <laughs> um, but was very happy with that, you know, was a fairly polite little lad. So I'm happy to get, get on board with that. Um, <laughs> and then I think, um, always always liked and uh loved oasis pulp and and blur and kind of that what that did um, yeah for that, that kind of Britpop era but i would you know i was very 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 young at that time so i'm taking maybe a little bit of that from kind of my yeah my uncle and my dad and sort of maybe more of their memories of the early part of that but i, I definitely loved that generation of um of music and, and shed seven as well and then I think, yeah, kind of during early years in secondary school, maybe just kind of just kind of liked what everyone else liked, really. Didn't didn't kind of think too much about it. And then a little bit further down the line was like, okay, actually I do, yeah, I do really like this kind of um this sort of almost new wave of indie, like you can't you, you kind of yeah. and all of what those bands did at, at the time was was pretty, pretty amazing. But I guess that's um that's wherever you kind of pick it up from as a as a place of like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of more interested in music now. I'm kind of more, in, I'm kind of more intrigued about what I can go and listen to and research. So as you kind of like hit that point in your life, you'll, you'll discover kind of what, what, not whatever's there at the time, but you kind of will, because that's that new song kind of suddenly feels like the, the next big hit and you want to be kind of on the, on the trail of it. So I, I definitely liked um, like that. And yeah, I remember doing lots of, um, lots of kind of, um, yeah, runs to Tesco or kind of getting on Napster and be like, right, there's this new mega song, like um, who's, who's going to download it and how are we going to figure this out? Um, but without getting into any kind of detail about any of that, um, yeah, you find, you find a way to listen to the songs that you want. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember going to an Oasis gig when I was, I think I must have only been about 11. Right. Um, I went went over to, to to Manchester to see an Oasis gig, which was, I mean, phenomenal. When you go and see Oasis at any point in your life, but at that time, you're like, oh god, what just happened? I don't, yeah, I don't know what just happened in my life, but that was pre- <laughs> that was pretty pretty mad. Um, obviously, you kind of tucked away at the back somewhere because, you know, yeah, you don't want to be at the front when the Gallagher's around um, doing what they do. So yeah, that was um, that was memorable. I was just gonna say, yeah, I guess those those moments where you, you you're kind of hanging out and you're just kind of sharing back and forth with with your pals and and maybe now it is it is kind of almost like we, we've got so much 
we've got so much at our you know we, we can connect to anyone at any time we can kind of listen to any song at any time and and that's great and that convenience is is amazing of course it is but I do think that the the kind of art of like waiting for something like waiting for well I can't fire say it beautifully in a, in a song like waiting for a letter to arrive or waiting for a new song to drop and having the kind of the you have to sort of share this back and forth with your friends in real life because you haven't got WhatsApp to tell them all about it. You do actually have to kind of wait until a Friday night when you're at Jamie Newman's house to hang out with everyone and you're in the garage and you're like, oh, we have to play this because I, lo- I listened to it last week and it's awesome. And, you know, you, you, you try and find a way to, to listen to it. So I think that was kind of a, a special time in our lives growing up that we we had some resources to be able to share stuff and listen and connect, but yeah. we didn't have everything, which is... Yeah, which is interesting, I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't say like nowadays anyone can put their music or their uh, their projects out into the world. Like me, for example, just doing this podcast, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do this podcast 10, 20 years ago. Like all I do is just have a little chat with someone, edit it out, and then it's on Spotify for anyone in the world to listen to. And it's yeah. same with like yeah. people like who have YouTube, who do stuff for YouTube or do stuff for Spotify or other listening platforms it's it's just it's so yeah. easy because like before it used to be like if you're not signed you, you're not getting your music out there do you know you you had to be signed or yeah. be yeah. there in the street handing out cds uh do you know if you'd been busking or if you'd played a gig somewhere at a pub and everyone's got demos on the side for you to pick up it, it was a lot harder but now you can just you can just get go viral on twitter or facebook or whatever yeah, with a, a, exactly. a like a proper catchy tune and the mm. next minute you're like a global sensation i think it's a lot i think it's probably a lot easier to make it nowadays than it probably was a few years ago because as i say like you'd need to if, if i was in a band 20 years ago you'd have to make that catchy song you'd have to send it to a record company you'd have to hope it get, gets to whoever in that record company makes the decisions They've got to like that uh, that song, and they're probably only going to listen to the first ten seconds. So you've got to make sure that yeah. ten seconds is decent. And it's just like, yeah, you're never going to do it. But like nowadays, as I say, if something goes viral and catches someone's attention, they listen to it. They pass it on to whoever and whoever, and it's just like that. Boom. Yeah. Global soup. Yeah. Global soup. That's so. it. <laughs> That's it. Well, <laughs> you never know. Him. We might be sitting here in a year's time, and this has gone mega. Who knows? I doubt it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm, I'm not bothered. You know, I, it could be one person listening. It could be a million people. I, I didn't, I just wanted to do something that I've not done before. It's a bit out of my comfort zone. I'm not an interviewer. You know, I, I, I don't have any aspirations to be a host of a TV show or <laughs> um, anything like that. It was just something, I, I think it was mainly just to, to catch up with people. Like, obviously, you and I haven't like seen each other for, I think it was... I think it was your birthday about four years ago yeah, last I time was, I saw yeah, you. Yeah, it probably was. Um, yeah. But I do remember when we went to um, to London, um, you know, for the Leeds Tottenham yeah, game. Was that, that was, was one of the best yeah. weekends of my life. And I even... Yeah, I agree. I, <laughs> even because um, it popped up on like on Twitter, however many years today, Leeds drew, you know, White Hat Lane. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. best moment ever. I was sat in the Tottenham end. Beckford scored that last minute penalty. I went mental. Someone yeah. started on me. <laughs> and yeah. um, end of <laughs> Beckford, Beckford liked my tweet, and I was like, get in. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, it was a good. Uh, it was a good do that. And it, obviously, as much as it 
hurt for me to uh, see that goal going. I was uh, I was happy for you. I was happy for you. <laughs> well, you, you smashed us um, at the um, at Ellen Road yeah, anyway. True. So yeah, so all, <laughs> all, a... all's 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 fair. You had you had a, a, a nice day out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice day out for all the Leeds fans. But then we uh, uh, we went to Wembley, didn't we, as well, and held the FA Cup, and then we went yeah, out in Camden, pretty... and that yeah, was good to do. First and last time I've ever been out in Camden, but. It was it was a great experience. Yeah, it was a good uh, good do. Yeah, yeah, holding the uh, the FA Cup. Yeah, it's as cl- it's as close as we're I'm going to get to the Spurs anytime soon. Anyway, any any cup, if I'm honest. But but yeah, that was good. We'll um, we'll move on to the the next category, which is uh, games. So like video games and things mm. like that. I can't remember you ever being a gamer. I know when I used to come to Manchester when you was at uni. We used to play FIFA a lot, and your housemate Dan used to comment yeah. uh, commentate on the uh, on the games, and he was phenomenal. To be fair, do you know, yeah. <laughs> he yeah, had yeah. a special gift at doing that. He did. Um, he did. But uh, was you a gamer when you were younger, or was it just? I well, I, I should start by sort of saying that it, interesting that that kind of special gift that Dan has got, um, you know, that that has meant that he has become a you know he's a journalist he's a yeah no, I, I follow you know, him on twitter which is amazing really. <laughs> um, so he, he uses the skills that he absolutely uh trained upon you know young folks having a kind of game of fifa whilst drinking lots of vodka on a uni night out like he, that's where his um that's where he cut his teeth as a sports commentator which is amazing <laughs> really yeah. um, and, and, he, and he quite quite literally just did take i think all the compliments from everyone to be like look you are actually like seriously good at this. You should seriously think about, yeah, going into sort of sports journalism and broadcasting, which he has done and, you know, obviously been incredibly successful now. So, yeah, I, th- I think in, in terms of gaming, it probably is the the answer of, yeah, FIFA and Pro Evo through the years. I've, I've, I've never been particularly good at games, maybe because it's sort of, well, I don't know, I, you can't be good at everything, can you? Um, I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not that I'm good at much else either, if I'm honest. Um, and 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 now I um the only the only game I literally do play is um yeah with my my nephews online playing FIFA and they and they batter me all the time and it's incredibly frustrating yeah They're absolutely furious because I'm like how is my twelve year old nephew better than me I don't understand how how that works but, <laughs> you've had all these um, years of uh, preparation to uh, to, yeah. to be better but. Yeah, it's, it's. I must admit, it's mental how, how good kids are at games nowadays. You know, for yeah. example, like you go on. I don't play Call on Duty online, the multiplayer, because there's far too many good people. Like, do you know, yeah. good as in like you aren't even like started the game and the sniper you from like you know <laughs> the other the other side yeah. of the map. I, I can't yeah. stand it, and it re- and <laughs> it really pisses me off. And I just yeah. don't understand how. Like kids with Fortnite and stuff. I, I I must admit I've not played Fortnite because I know yeah. that there'll be kids out there who are 13 who I'll get put in a game with and they'll just snipe me or they'll just like come and I'll, I'll be shooting like all over the shop and they'll just hit me with one bullet and I'm just like, nah, yeah. I'm not I'm not doing it yeah. to myself. Suck, suck <laughs> I'll that. smash suck the house that. up. <laughs> no way. Not not interested. No, I'm not not into that. I think um yeah, I, I think my nephews particularly as well, like not to labor the point, but like they, um, they kind of watch people play games as well, which I think I just like, I can't get my head around when they're like, Oh, we want to watch. Um, yeah. We want to watch Fortnite. Or we want to watch um, people playing. Oh, what's that ridiculous game where it's like cars that are knocking around a football or something. Rocket. Is it called rocket? Rocket league. I think rocket league. And they're like, they want to play rocket league. I'm like, okay, yeah, great. Then let's have a game of rocket league. What's that? 
And then it's just like, they're just like they're playing as cars kicking football. I'm like, lads, this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> Let's just go and play football. This is absolutely <laughs> nonsense. Um, but they just yeah, they tell me that that's what that's what's going on. I mean, I, yeah, sound like an absolute granddad now, but um, yeah, gaming for me. Um, yeah, I, I again t- kind of totally understand why why you can get super addicted. Ah, the one thing I should say about gaming that I have been massively addicted to, obviously, is Football Manager. Um, you know, not. <laughs> I was um, in no one's you know, mentioned Football Manager. To be fair, yeah, I mean, lost hours hours of my life to that game. I mean, summers and summers of um, of games of that. Sometimes just on your own. Sometimes kind of multiplayer. But yeah, love love that game. Still play it occasionally now when I'm when I'm on a train just on my iPad if I don't want to do any work or if I tell my <laughs> boss that there isn't any signal on the on the train so I just play Football Manager. But they're probably not. So we're all right. But um, <laughs> yeah, just play Football Manager for an hour, which is great because it's um, it's probably the quickest um, you're ever going to pass time. I think playing Football Manager, like d- time just goes so quick. So if yeah. you want to. Yeah, if you actually want your life to go quicker, just play Football Manager. Sort of <laughs> it feels like it goes at um, yeah at, at twice the speed. I, I could um, never get on with Football Manager because I, I I'd get it. I'd be like whoever, and I'd be like, right, I'm gonna buy this player, this player, this player. I do you know I've seen I've I've seen someone play, so I'm like, oh, I'll snap him up or whoever. Yeah, spend yeah, loads yeah. of time in the summer, you know, preseason. Spent loads, done loads, done like all my training and everything. Comes to the first game, lose 5-0. I'm like, yeah, nah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing Bang. it. Yeah. That's it. Laptop closed. Yeah. Fuck this. La- that's through that's, the window. <laughs> that's my experience with football manager. The um yeah, particularly um Gary Knights and uh Matty Colvin, they'll they they'll remember this for for, for sure as well. Like y- y- somehow you can take whole city from you know, Division Three to the title of the Premier League in like five seasons. You're like, like that's not going to happen, is it? I mean, unlikely to happen. But you get a player like Tor Madeira or Taribo West on a free at the start of the season, and you're like, right, we're on, we're on. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got Taribo West at centre half. Tor Madeira, who is, um, yeah, not an actual player. Uh, Kim Kelstrom sitting behind as, a, as an attacking, attacking midfielder, left centre, and. Yeah, there you go. That that's that's fun because as long as you're winning on Football Manager, it's the best game in the world. And whenever you, like you say, you lose five 0 you're like, nah, shit game. On we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it. Um, much like the actual game, you know, you watch a game when your team gets gets beaten, like today, you're like, no, nah, I'm not interested in the game at all anymore. <laughs> Until obviously the next game, you can't think of anything like for the whole day, you can't think of anything else but the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it does to us, isn't it? Because, like, I've played other manager games. Like, the ones that stand out for me was uh, Premier Manager 98 on the PlayStation 1 and LMA Manager 2003 on the PlayStation 2. They was good games. Mm -hmm. And the thing with um, Premier Manager 98 especially is, like, you didn't really have to faff about with all the training and stuff. All you had to do was get the good players, get a formation, whether you want to be like counter-attacking or zonal marking and, and just stupid things like that, just easy things. And then you could just instantly yeah. skip the game. So it'd be like, like you'd be at the start menu, click go, two, three, yeah. two, like whatever. And it was yeah. just like, ah, it, easy. You know, if you yeah. lost it, it Simple. wasn't the end of the world because you, you'd be on the next game in about two minutes. Yeah. The thing with football manager and stuff is like, you know, 
all it just it just takes forever in my opinion to to get from one game to another game if you want to play yeah. it correctly and i just can't be doing with that i just want to get i want to spend all my summer transfer money i want to get the players that i i, I want and I want to play games and win. That's that's what I want yeah. to do on a manager game. Yeah. That's what I expect a manager just wants to do. He don't want to be messing about with all formations and stuff. No, he doesn't want to have to deal with it. He doesn't want to have to deal with the media. Yeah. Any of the politics, he just wants to, to, to get on with the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. And if you lose, yeah, just move on as quick as possible, I think. Uh, yeah, there's been, there's been plenty of times where I've done that kind of classic, right? I'll just save it just before this... Uh, this big game that I'm yeah I've done that just, you're in Champions <laughs> League like, final oh. and you're like, I'm you're, like oh. you're losing this <laughs> and then actually when you do it and you like then you eventually do when you're like oh, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> like and you can't celebrate in the same way and then yeah you know that's that's what it's become or, or you, you can kind of cheat just like well I guess just like Man City did in real life really you get like as much money as you want to spend and you're like great I'll buy this player, that player, whoever, it's not really the same, is it? Not really no. the same. You wanna have you wanna have to graph for it a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, that's the that's the world we live in now, I guess. Yeah, no fair play. Well, we'll we'll move to the uh penultimate topic, which is toys. So what what sort of things did you because you're an only child, aren't you? So I, I'm guessing you had yeah, yeah. extra special Christmases. <laughs> Defo, definitely. I'll have it all. <laughs> <laughs> What was uh, what was something memorable that you know you remember from from your childhood getting at Christmas or your yeah. birthday? Oh, uh, you know what? I remember. Um, it's, it's quite a sentimental story, really. I, I remember when um, obviously wrestling WWF was absolutely massive for yeah. a, a long time for us growing up, and I remember we were lucky when we obviously I lived lived down Jackson Street, and there was loads of loads of brilliant kids down there, and loads of mates, and obviously everyone had bits of you know figures and stuff and and i remember wanting for christmas um a ww a ring a wwf ring obviously for me for all my uh wrestlers to, to be able to battle it out on and I, I think it was a little bit of i don't know maybe maybe we weren't quite there in terms of uh, affording it or uh or maybe there's just like there was a lack of uh them knocking around and, and, and my mum and dad couldn't get a hold of it or whatever but probably a combination of the two and, and my mum actually ended up making me a wrestling ring um <laughs> out of and i remember it so vividly like it was like a, a sort of polystyrene uh box that she made and she kind of covered it with this sort of cotton like blue cotton um so you know it was sturdy enough like you wouldn't obviously want to put your fist through it because it would just collapse but yeah um and then she then she put like a sticker logo in the middle so it was kind of you know obviously a sticker a merlin sticker in the middle um so you've got the <laughs> wwf sign in the middle and then she's done um some clever thing with yeah kind of like foil and, and just bits of like material and elastic and it looked absolutely mint it was so good it was so so good and i was like i've not got just like a wrestling ring like i've got like a a bespoke like unique <laughs> yeah, yeah. wrestling ring like this shit's on everything that anyone's got. And um, yeah, and I absolutely loved it. And, and, and just remember that kind of moment of like, oh yeah, actually, you, maybe you don't need exactly the thing that you, you, you wanted as a kind of box from Toys R Us uh, that probably cost, you know, a fortune at the time. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can actually kind of DIY it and it's, it's a bit more fun. Um, and then, yeah, turned out that kind of people wanted to play with my ring instead of theirs until someone did eventually put their, their foot through it. <laughs> Um, which was I can't even reveal who did it because it, it's still like um, yeah there's still some PTSD there for me I think um, I'm trying to think who it could be I guess I'd say Rob Owen 
I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't comment, um, but, but, but I do remember. And in fairness, it was an accident, but they just like just were running for something and um, and just stamped on it, and it was just like, oh no, it's gone, and that's it. So I eventually did get the actual the actual ring, but it, you know, it wasn't 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 quite the same. But loved loved that, loved collecting um, Power Rangers. That was pretty cool. I think um, everyone that's I've spoken to about about the toys, everyone's mentioned Power Rangers, like. Yeah. everyone had the power rangers like it was just got it, got it. I, I think if you didn't have the power <laughs> rangers you were just like a nobody at school you're bullied yeah. <laughs> yeah. you were it's it's like you, you like it, i remember in, like in the playground you'll remember it too like you you kind of like went out with with a power ring like you you're like well you obviously take to break time whichever power ranger you want to like battle with that day like you can't you can't just go out to play without a power ranger like who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> like, if, was it like I think it was Zach the 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 Black Power Ranger? Was it also? I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, you've got to be like, yeah, that's I'm I'm just gonna just gonna play with uh, play with this one today. So yeah, you can't you can't be just in um, in school in solitude without a without a Power Ranger on your on your side. I, I remember at primary school, only one person had. Can you remember the the morphing things? Do you know the what we did on the oh, show yeah. before, like the morphing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. One yeah. kid had the T-Rex one of that. And like, do you know, it, it was a Hall of Fame for people in our year that, that year. Do yeah. you know, no one had that. And it was it was looked upon as like a God figure for yeah, having that. I don't, I don't even I didn't even know you could buy them. And he just rocked up to, to like the break time with this on. It was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's it. And that, that changes it. And you're like, well, yeah. They're cool now. From now on, like, you yeah. want to be their pal. Like you absolutely want to be there. It's as fickle as that, isn't it? When you're a kid, yeah. you're like, that's it. Um, yeah, you're an absolute knob, but like you've got you've got that that toy that we all want. So yeah, fair play. Um, yeah, and then I guess like another like obviously stickers, and then like the Merlin, uh, not the Merlin, sorry, the uh, Corinthians figures, football figures. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, they were they were pretty mega, weren't they? Yeah, um, I, like I know Paul Ince was a, a a common one that knocked about. Yeah. I, I think I had majority of the England team, but I never had any yeah. like I never had any Brazil ones. They, oh, yeah. they was they was rare for me, like especially like yeah. I grew up in Orgul. If you had a Brazil one of them figures, the, again yeah. you was like the bee's knees. Yeah, top of, dog. Yeah, top, top dog. dog. Absolutely, um, you're knocking round, knocking around with a cafe there. You're, you're absolutely top. <laughs> <laughs> Me with my little Paul Ince and my David Seaman. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, good times though. Good Kicked times. out of school yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, good. Cool. Well, we'll move on to the final topic, and this is uh, a topic that you chose, and mm. we briefly mentioned it already, and it's uh, theatre. So just just to start with, like, uh, what what theatre shows have you seen that you've been you've left in in awe, or is it just all of them? <laughs> oh, it's it's not all of them. I would say uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely um, not all of them. <laughs> it's definitely not all of them. Christ, no, I, I'm and, and I say that out of absolute love for everyone who makes theatre and um, you know who who does it. You know, just out of pure numbers of averages not not everything you see can be can be good yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but i think um yeah i love the the feeling the experience of participating as an audience member of a theater whether it's at the gate theater in ghoul or whether it's in the crucible in sheffield or you know any anywhere in the world like in, in an amphitheater out, that outside whatever 
yeah, that kind of experience for me is um, is, is second to none. Yeah, there, there's so many different things that are kind of within the theatre landscape that uh, an amateur group performing um, some Christmas carols in their theatre is theatre, yeah. and a big West End musical is theatre. They're very, they're they're very, very different yeah. in terms of expectations and what they're for, but they're kind of grouped into the same into the same mix. I'm really, really lucky. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, like I, I get to see, I get to see a lot of theatre. <laughs> I get to see a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, so I've seen, I don't, I don't know how many shows, thousands of, of different pieces of work. And yeah, there are some, there are some that absolutely stand out and that I would love to see again and again. Um, there are some that obviously I'm incredibly biased about because I've worked on and I've seen it sort of like its development and its ideas form. Yeah. So that, 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 that's kind of it. Yeah. So I've seen a, a massive range of things. I've seen I've seen you perform a few times. The one that stands out to me is I can't remember the name of it, but it was there were three of you on a bridge. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was so shocking seeing you perform because I think that first time I'd seen you perform, mm. and you was quite like late because I remember you being on that side of the stage. No, no one can see me pointing, but you was stage yeah. left. Um, stage, yeah, I was stage left. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, Good memory. So, Good memory. Uh, <laughs> So like you was quite, and I was sat at the like the opposite side in the crowd, and I don't think I knew the other. Was one of them Rosie? Was one of the performers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember just like you was quite, you was quite laid back through. No, I wouldn't say laid back, but you was you want the starring character until probably mm. the final third, and you just <laughs> exploded like your character just exploded, and and seeing you do that, I was just like what John can might do this I, I, I was so impressed and it, it was such a good <laughs> performance and I, I was shocked after that because you're um the the production company that is it your did you start this or is it someone yeah yeah so, so yeah so well two things which is uh yeah I'll, I'll quickly try and explain so so I um I work so I'm a producer so I work yeah to, to sort of make theatre happen and um, behind the scenes sort of planning and putting all things together to um, to get it in front of an audience so I work as producer at Sheffield Theatres which is the Crucible the world famous Crucible Theatre which is one of if not the um, best theatre in, in in the world in my opinion obviously biased all of this is obviously biased <laughs> uh, but I, but I genuinely think it is it's you know it's a thousand seats but you wouldn't think it because it's it's so intimate but it can do epic as well. Yeah, I've I've got the job of um, being part of the senior team there to support and manage the Crucible, the Lyceum and the studio. So we've got um, three amazing theatres under one kind of banner of Sheffield Theatres. Sure. And um, yeah, so that, that's my that's my position there. My other um, my other world um, is is part of a company uh, that I co-founded with with Rosie, who was in that yeah, play yeah. that you, you came to see many, yeah, many yeah. moons ago. And, and we've been working together for... Over a decade now, we celebrated our 10th birthday just a few months ago, and it's a company called Stand to Be Counted, and it's a theatre company of Sanctuary, which means that we work uh, on projects with and for uh, communities of people that are um, that, that have lived experience of migration, so they might be asylum seekers or refugees uh, or, or new to, uh, to a, a particular community. So we work across the country to develop uh, programmes of work to enable people to use art and culture as a way to understand their world and to understand and educate and support them to, to learn English and to have fun doing it. And we make theatre, we make films, we make games, we make audio experiences, lots of different kind of creative things that we make as part of the company. And that is all centred around believing in theatre as a, as a kind of 
tool for uh, social change and inclusion sure. to, to, to welcome people basically well i remember i remember seeing was it one of the performances was it called tanya tanya right? yeah yeah I yeah. remember I remember coming to see that and it, it was very powerful. It, it's something that I naively don't know much about, you know, asylum seekers and, and things like that. But what, what got you into to doing that and to getting into, you know, helping people? So Rosie and I graduated from the University of Salford around the same time and we formed a theatre company based on developing ideas around some new writing. So the, the, the project that you saw, which was a, the first project that we did together, and then we made other shows that did well in kind of uh, Manchester and London and, and, and went to tour the world, uh, to, to tour uh, the country, went to Edinburgh, et cetera. So we, we, we started to sort of build a new writing company, um, which was really exciting. And this was at the start of the, the sort of 10 year journey. And then about four years into that, we had an idea around um, something about Yarl's Wood and detention centres and what was going on in the UK. And this was kind of just new information to us. We, we're both very... Uh, active politically so we're both quite understanding of what's going on or, or as yeah. much as you can be because a lot of it is actually hidden from us for yeah yeah for for, for evil reasons sadly yeah. um so we kind of uncovered this this whole world of things that were going on in in Yarl's wood and uh lots of other uh immigration uh removal centers that, that they were called at the time which is just a disgrace so yeah we then started to have conversations with uh, an organization called city of sanctuary which is um a grassroots movement to uh, support and welcome asylum seekers and refugees into into cities across across the country. So basically, what we did was we kind of enabled this activism side of our world into our theatre world for the first time, and we we made a show about uh, about all of that to kind of uncover it in, in in more detail. So there had been some some press around what was going on really for uh, for, for women, particularly in detention centres. And uh, we worked with many, many participants who had shared their stories with us and, uh, and we'd done work with. And then one of them, an amazing woman, said that she was absolutely up for being part of the, of, of the story and, and developing the, the project with us. So we were all on stage with her and we toured that show again and again and took it around the country. So we were doing two things. We were touring a, a campaign piece of theatre alongside talking about the campaign saying what you've seen on stage tonight is is real this is this is this story we've right. done some things in terms of the narrative and kind of really explained whose story it really was which was a collection of people's stories and said these are things that are going on in your community these are things that are going on in, in the uk right now these are the things that we have to do to respond so yeah it basically meant that we we had kind of kick-started and uh, and engaged into this whole world of different conversation around what art is for and uh, and what we wanted to do as a theatre company so we, we we yeah we took the kind of next steps which were saying okay well we think there's there's a lot more that we can do we've got we've got a platform we've got an opportunity to to engage more people let's do that and yeah. so that was the starting point and now it's yeah it's a company that's been been going for a, a few years and we've we've done all sorts of different projects and um yeah that's something we're really proud of and last year in 2020 we worked with other over 2000 people we worked with i think it was sort of eight or nine thousand people saw our work online and yeah we employed 60 odd people so it's um yeah it's become something a lot bigger and um yeah evolved beyond anything that we could have imagined 10 years yeah. ago when we were starting it no that's amazing it's it's good to see 
do you know someone like obviously you've grown up with do you know making a difference and and, and try to help people in ways that as I say I was naively unaware of and until I saw that play and obviously spoken to you uh, about so no I, I hats off to you to be fair so I, I hope you carry on doing it and, and try to make that difference yeah we, we we definitely will and I think um yeah the, the the more that people I think understand and kind of empathize with with each other and kind of know a little bit more about what is going on because it's um yeah it, there's absolutely no shame in not knowing um because yeah there's there's lots of things that are structurally done to to make it difficult for us to really know what's going on yeah. Um, so, so, so we want to be a theatre company first and foremost, and we want to make great, great pieces of work that people will connect to. But also, we want to, we want to make a difference, and we want to change things. Yeah. Um, and, and and then kind of put it out to the world to say, actually, um, these things are going on, and what you've experienced is a creative project, and you've played one of our games, or you played, um, you've watched one of our documentaries. But we hope that in enjoying our kind of creations and our kind of pieces of art, it might just stop you in your tracks the next time something happens in your local community that yeah that, that could have a massive impact on someone who you're about to talk to yeah it it, it definitely makes you open your eyes a bit more and and yeah no i, I hats off for you for, for doing everything and um i i hope it all goes well for you yeah no i appreciate it and, and obviously i i, I should plug if uh, for, for when people are listening that check out sbctheatre.co.uk there's lots on there the the way that we do things is um, a, a little different to some theatre companies which is that as much as we can when we make a project we will enable it to happen online and people can can see it and and engage with it because we recognise that theatre is often speaking to a particular crowd, a particular demographic who are likely to go and buy a ticket to see a piece of theatre. We welcome those people and we want to put that piece of work in front of them. Of course we do. But we also understand that for lots of the projects that we're making, the people who we want to connect to aren't necessarily able to come to a theatre or don't know how to engage with theatre anywhere. There's enough barriers. So we want to take those barriers away and our website therefore becomes a place where people can interact and talk to us and um, you can see work that we've made for free on there and it's available mostly in English and Arabic um, our work so you can can go on there and play it and yeah there's lots that people can can connect to and yeah you might surprise yourself because it's not it's not theatre in the way that you uh, that you might expect uh, in fact lots of it is theatre in a way that yeah might surprise you we hope yeah that's that's great I'll, what I'll do I'll, I'll put the link of the website on the uh, you know when I share it on Facebook Twitter instagram everything so Sounds good to me yeah, Sounds make, good sure, to me. make sure people people uh visit uh but yeah i absolutely appreciate the time that you've given me it's been it's been really good catching up and, and things like that so yeah it was good it was good chat yeah i enjoyed it a lot <laughs> it's nice to uh nice to see you and yeah nice to kind of reflect on some uh some some things and and, and dig into it but yeah it's a lot of fun uh, yeah thanks for thanks for having me but it's good to uh yeah good to see you excellent yeah. well um yeah, yeah i'll uh i'll speak to you soon cracking take thanks care mate it.